Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, alongside none other than John Tesh. John, how you doing? Very excited because uh, I have not. I've, my whole life, I wanted to be Superman. Uh huh. And I even wore like a big red S and the whole thing around mm-hmm. as a kid. I would jump off of stuff and land on my face, you know. But now, because of this new book, because of this new, I can become a superwoman. Nicole Lappin, <laughs> author of our guest today, is uh, Nicole Lappin, author of Becoming Superwoman. Now, she has been a CNBC, she's been a financial news correspondent since she was a teenager. So she's got over a decade of experience. Well, I'll be, I'm, I was nice to her in the interview, but I'm just going to tell you because it's important. She's got over two decades worth of experience in uh, as a career woman, as a, as a very high-performing career professional. And this is her third book. And this is all about, this book is really more about self-care than anything else. And so she talks about all of the important parts of, and, and again, it's becoming superwoman, but I think everybody needs to hear this. It's a 12-step plan for you to get control of your career and to be able to perform at your best. And that really involves a lot of taking time for yourself and taking time to renew yourself in the process because we forget that when you are highly motivated, you will have a breakdown eventually if you are not taking a little bit of time every day to be to do something for yourself, whether that's meditating or exercising. She recommends exercising, but it, it's got to yeah. be something. Yeah. Now, I don't want to poke holes in this, but there are a lot of men who listen to this podcast. Anything in, uh, in here for them? Yes. It, and look, this is for everybody. Like I said, this is, this is, this is becoming super everything. I, we actually talk about it in the show in the interview, I asked her, like, you know, I think this is good for men. And she basically just says, look, uh, marketing told me I need to direct my book at women. This is for everybody, though. Um, so, you know, if That's you're a woman, funny. this is great for you. If yeah, you're a man, yeah, you need to hear this, yeah, too. Yeah. It just happens to be called Becoming yeah. Superwoman. And you know what? Uh, I, 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 am, I am confident enough in my masculinity to read a book called Becoming Superwoman and know that parts of it apply to me. Hopefully all the men listening feel the same way about themselves. Are you seeing any of your wife in here? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. The, the need to take things on and to control everything uh, is, is is something that I think everybody struggles with. But yes, I see that in my family. And you know, um, I think I think uh, your mom, my wife, uh, did a she did an interview with somebody who was it was called Superwoman Complex, and this was mm-hmm. this was a, a while ago, right? Because she was a single mom, right? And she was you know an actress at the same time mm-hmm. doing everything, and it's a, it's a lot of stress, and you get burned out. Exactly, and 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 her point is, and again, she goes into much more detail about this. But her point is, if you choose to not participate in self care, eventually you will have to pay that debt tenfold. Right. You know, right. if if you're not taking time today to exercise, eventually your heart is going to explode, and you're going to be forced mm-hmm. to sit in a hospital bed for two months at best. Now, before we get to the interview, we want to do some intelligence for your life uh, that you can take with you even uh, beyond this interview. But uh, I want to set up a, a, a quick uh, soundbite from your uh, your podcast interview yes. with Nicole. So set this up real fast. You know, this is a little bite of Nicole talking about the importance of uh, of of our po- our negative self talk. Like, how often do we say negative things about ourselves? We would never tolerate that with somebody else. Here's her point. Mm-hmm. You know, we beat ourselves up so much when I lose a deal or I I said something silly on the air or whatever. Like, I just go into this whole like mongrel right. mode against myself. Right. And, can you imagine talking to your best friend like that? Like if your best friend said, you know, hey, I just lost a deal. You would say, you suck. You're yeah, terrible. What an you idiot. Job again. Well, like, you're terrible yeah. at life, man. Oh, you, 
Oh, I totally get this. Yeah. That's interesting. We because we, we, we the things that we say to ourselves, you mm-hmm, would you mm-hmm. would smack somebody if they yeah. said it to you. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so Nicole is coming up in just a, mo- a moment, uh, becoming Superwoman. First, I want to tell you, there's a growing trend known as Instagram tourism. I knew this was going to happen eventually. I just didn't think it was going to be this big. Yeah. So now people are traveling to certain places. They're making their vacation plans. And they're admitting it's just a snap photos to post on social media. The U.S. National Park Service, listen to this. They report Instagram tourism is huge, a huge reason they're drawing record crowds. Uh, Horseshoe Bend Park in Arizona. Here's one example, right? Uh, Horseshoe Bend Mm -hmm. Park. Tourism has trumped from 4,000 visitors a year to 4,000 visitors every day. That's ridiculous. Most just want to snap a selfie overlooking the Colorado River and then geotag themselves. So park rangers say... One of the biggest problems with this trend is the safety issues. People are falling and being eaten by things. Yeah, well, look, I think the national things, park, things. the national park, these preserved wildlands are are some of the most uh, important features of of our country. That is, uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt started the national park system. I, I absolutely love it. Um, I love Yosemite. I love I love Glacier. I love going out to Joshua Tree. I love all of these national parks. Phenomenal places to go. Uh, there, there are more. I'm just I'm just naming a few of my favorites. Uh, and, and, and they're great, and I think everybody should be going as much as possible and taking pictures there. However, it's wildlands, and they are not, it's not Disneyland. You cannot go into these places and expect that everything is sanitary and going to be handled. You have to respect the fact that you are in the wild. You wouldn't just jump into the ocean and say, oh, I'm going to swim to Catalina for the picture. That's ridiculous. That's way too far. Unless you're a, a waterman, you don't know what you're doing. That's the same thing with this. You can't go into uh, Monument Valley in Utah and try to uh, and try to get uh, snap a selfie in one of the in one of the caves, and the next thing you know, you've got it, you're in you know 148 hours or whatever that movie was where he had to cut oh, his gosh, arm off. Oh gosh, yeah. But that's the point, right? Like these are this is wild land. You have to respect it. You have to know what you're doing. Start off, go to a couple of places with some prefab campsites. Set up there, go on some day hikes, get used to it, and then go nuts in the national park system. You know how I'm always trying to work something into an entrepreneurial idea? Uh-huh. Well, a guide, guide, guide service? Yeah, well, no, I'm just thinking there's got to be some guy with a mule, right? <laughs> and he was reading the newspaper, he was watching, I don't know, extra or something that he was watching. Anyway, so he's, he's thinking about it, he's going, you know, and so he gets on his mule and he mm-hmm. goes, you know, to the, uh, to the base of the Grand Canyon, for yes. example, or right, 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 falls right, right, right. and he's picking up cell phones. And he's refurbishing them, and he's selling them. This guy's rich, yeah, because everybody's dropping their cell phones right. when they're Down leaning the over Canyon. the thing. Makes yeah, sense, yeah. yeah. So you're trying to figure out, like, how can you monetize these people's losses? Well, like, yeah, like, no, I'm just, I'm like, thinking, I'm thinking maybe before find he, out what prosthetic limbs you need to be selling no, because of all the no, people no, who get no, trapped. Oh no. my gosh, no! But before before he gets the phones, I'm thinking maybe a net. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. and then charge or a, drone, people, a drone with a net, and then charge people like twenty bucks to get, to get their, their phone, to back. get their phone back. That's yeah. it. It's a, it's yeah, a yeah. service that we yeah. provide. We yeah, go you and come get back. Your phone yeah, for you get two mules in case one gets tired. And you <laughs> oh my if god! That, I'm starting to sound like the guy on uh, Best in Show. Yeah. <laughs> well, how much do <laughs> you think moment. I can bench press? Uh, I, uh, okay, uh, okay. I'm ruining your show. No, no, no. I'm ruining your this show. This is a great point. A way to monetize this would be to hire character actors who are out of work and have them dress up as old prospectors right. and have them have the mule and everything and guide people through to these photo ops in a way that oh, yeah. doesn't destroy yeah, yeah, the land yeah. and doesn't yeah, get yeah. them hurt. That's yeah. the thing. Or wear a parachute. You know, I mean, to, I, I always think, you know, just wear a parachute. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm inventing. I mean, Fifty feet. I fall a lot. You know, I, yeah. I, I like tripping. Fight. My feet are so big. I, fit. I, and I skidded down this thing right here behind the studio yesterday uh-huh. when I took Lucy out. To, and I'm thinking that's because that, when that's wet, oh, there's no traction. I, but I'm thinking I need one of these things where if it if it senses if it senses my hips like a foot off the ground. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, like yeah, airbag? like like an airbag. Yeah. Yeah, I think okay, they're making. Okay. Those now things. I have ruined your show. Okay, so set up uh, Nicole Lappin. Anyway, uh, for those of you that have taken plenty of pictures of national parks, uh, yeah. keep doing it. For the rest keep of you, doing this? <laughs> for the rest of you, you know, be safe out there. I'm Nicole, trying to help you. I know. It I'm up. doing. I just wanted to. I wanted to put a button on it that wasn't about prospectors. <laughs> Nicole Lappin, uh, becoming superwoman. She's going to tell you the 12 steps you need in order to uh, in order to properly manage your self care to be the best person you can be. Before that, a quick word from Weeder Artery Health, our sponsor, and then right into Nicole Lappin. Hey, it's John Tesh here to tell you about Weeder Artery Health. If you're concerned about maintaining your heart health, I urge you to check out Weeder Artery Health. It's crucial to maintain healthy and flexible arteries, and that's where Weeder Artery Health comes in. It has clinically researched key ingredients like vitamin K2, which is hard to get enough of from food alone. Weeder Artery Health uses MenaQ7 as the source of vitamin K2. It's been clinically shown to help transport calcium to your bones. Weeder Artery Health also includes an ingredient called Aronia Berry which improves circulation and helps maintain blood pressure by keeping arteries flexible. Proper blood flow is your lifeline, and I want you to live a long and healthy life. So grab a box of Weeder Artery Health. I get mine at Costco for the best value, and you can too. Or you can visit Weeder.com. Go to Costco.com or Weeder.com for Weeder Artery Health. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nicole Lappin, you've written now, this is your, your third book. Uh, you've been a host of on financial news for how many years? I don't know. We won't even say. Uh, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Thank you so much. And thank you for not saying how many years. I know. You know, I You're feel. a good man. Well, you know, the, first of all, thank you. But secondly, you know, you have one of those faces that, that is ageless. So, you know, I don't want to sell you out for being anything other than, you know, a 25-year-old superwoman. Obviously. Yeah. Thank you. So you've written a couple of books, uh, Boss Bitch, Rich Bitch, uh, and now this book, Becoming Superwoman. I feel like the first couple of books were about teaching people how to, uh, how to like, to knowledge, and this is really more empowering, this one. Well, I hope I throw down a little bit of knowledge, too, but <laughs> for the first book, Rich Bitch, came out, it's a 12-step plan to get your financial life together, and I was an anchor on CNBC and Bloomberg and CNN and a lot of awesome, very prestigious networks that talk to old rich white men about getting richer. Richer and and whiter. If if that's even possible, yes. (laughs) Um, And they realized that there was a void in the audience that needed this information the most. And I wanted to democratize that content for my former self, Mm. this girl who was totally clueless didn't know anything about money. You know, we don't learn this stuff in school. And even if our families are awesome, which mine wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't dealt the most amazing hand, but I played it the best I could. But still, families don't talk about it. Schools don't talk about it. And so I felt like I was uniquely positioned to be able to talk to a young woman who wanted to get her financial life together, but didn't even know where to start and was super intimidated. And I didn't think that I would write more than one book. This is real talk. Um, I thought I would check a book box, call it a day, send it for Christmas, send it for Hanukkah, <laughs> and move on with my life. And Use it. Like a little, some cocktail fodder. Yeah. Like, oh, by the way, do you, I don't know if you know this, but I, I wrote a book. 
totally a show to my grandkids and that's <laughs> it. Like I didn't think this was going to be a business for me at all. And then, and then all and of then a sudden you blew did. up and became one of the best authors in the entire world. Oh, in the entire universe. I thank you for saying that. <laughs> you know, it, it really, I thought the book could either go one of two ways crush it or fail miserably. Right. With a title like that, people were right. going to have feelings about it. Right. Like, there was no gray area. Exactly. You can't, you can't come out and be like, rich bitch, and then everybody's like, <laughs> oh, it's mediocre. It's got, you've, it's, it, it, that's, you're swinging for the fences with that title. <laughs> totally. Totally. And I knew that if I called it something safe, like five steps to financial freedom or whatever. Yeah, oh, it would just sit in a pile somewhere in the dollar bin. Totally. Dead on arrival. And thankfully, it did the former, um, crushed it. Uh, you know, it hit the list right away. It sold out on Amazon. Like, it was crazy what happened. And it showed me that there was a void in getting this information to an audience that was simply too scared to pick up a book. And if right. they imagined, they never imagined they picked up a money book, but did it because the title was so sassy, mm -hmm. then we win and the ends justify the means. Right. You know, 100%. Whoever, I wanted more people to argue with me about that title. I was like, yeah, we're going to get some controversy here. <laughs> and I really didn't get a lot of it. And the only a couple people who said anything, I was like, you know, I'm taking this word back and owning it as a badge of honor. I was called a bitch in a derogatory way in so many times in my career and I think what they meant was that I was ambitious and strong and powerful and, and if that means I'm a bitch then I'm a bitch and I own it along with a lot of powerful amazing entrepreneurial women who helped me endorse it and make it a success and I, you know I think I think you kind of have to package this information as in a lot of different ways to get to us everybody needs financial literacy Everybody needs to know how their W-2s work and how, their pay, how to read a pay stub and how to budget for their life. Uh, but not everybody is going to listen to something dry and monotonous. Sometimes you need a little bit of, to use your word, sass um, yeah, in wow. how you approach it. Like, why, why don't we have a Britney Spears song about, about uh, balanced fiscal policy and, and doing your taxes and what to do, how to invest your tax returns? Like, that's, that sounds like a great idea. That sounds like the most amazing idea I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. That's totally true. You're absolutely right. Um, maybe I smell a co-author around oh. here. What's the male equivalent of rich bitch? I don't know. Rich dude? I, I guess. Maybe? Yeah. Maybe? Rich, rich bro? Rich bro? I like it. Um, you know, I mean, they kind of made that with rich dad, poor dad. That's true. That's true. But you're totally spot on that you need a lot of candy over some spinach right. in order to make it go down. So right, I think right, it's right. Like, Marty pants content in a party dress. <laughs> That's great. You feel like I, I, I'm wondering if you're the, the equivalent. Did you watch? Um, did you watch the show, The Newsroom? I sure did. Are, are, oh, you're you're Sloan. You're Sloan, oh right? <laughs> um, you're the barely you. smart person in the in the, you and you're a financial that. correspondent. So it's like it's absolutely <laughs> perfect. Yes. Yes, <laughs> just own it like that. Yes, absolutely. A thousand times. Yes. Okay. So the that that's your I mean, that we, we can talk about financial literacy and the importance of it all day long. But that was those were your previous books. This is this is being a superwoman. And so was it did you did you did you feel like there was stuff you left on the table in the previous books? And this is like what came out or or did you have a different thesis? And in, 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 in why did you go after the idea of superwomanhood? Yeah, it was all the scraps I just spun it into something else. You know? You're the Danny DeVito from Twins? This, that's what this book is? 
<laughs> totally. I no, I didn't. Um, it's a whole other book of you know what I had not left out, but what I had not known at that point of my right. life when I was writing this. You know, I was a I think I started writing Rich Bitch. I was twenty seven. Um, I was an anchor on CNBC starting at twenty five, and so while I was on the air for a decade already, I was still in my twenties, and so I didn't know all the things. Imagine that, and when i wrote boss bitch but i'm sure you out, thought you knew all the things i mean at 25 totally. i thought i knew everything too yeah, yes absolutely and oh my gosh i wish i knew so many of the things i know now then but you know we learn and grow and repeat and boss bitch came out two years ago and it was about getting your career together and actually i cut 100 pages or so out of that book i don't know how i became like Dostoevsky um while writing that but no i don't <laughs> know where those pages are they're nowhere to be found but um i'm sure they're not that interesting for this, I really found out that the biggest liability or asset in your career is self-care. It's not mm. networking or writing emails in the middle of the night. And I was out there preaching Boston and getting your career in order and hustling and you know leaning in hard to everything at work. And what I didn't account for was the fact that leaning so hard in can sometimes make you fall over. And mm. while this isn't way to a, turn way to turn that on its head, who is the, who, who is uh, Marissa Mayer? Is that the lean in? Uh, it, no, it's Cheryl Sandberg. Sarah, but, uh, Cheryl Sandberg. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, my mistake. No, it's uh, you know it was a big zeitgeisty book. It came out around the same time right. as I think my first book, and you know it's awesome. And and I you know, really preached a lot of the same lessons. And I still do in some, to some extent, but I now really reframed that idea and realized that if you don't put your oxygen mask on first before helping others, you're right. not going to help Right, others. There's, right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, so this, is the, uh, this is you putting the oxygen mask on and then spending the extra however many hours a week it takes to to crank out a book to tell everybody else to put their oxygen mask on so many hours <laughs> yeah writing a book is not a side hustle i actually write about that in my second book which is very meta yeah you know they don't say that on the plane just to fill time before takeoff it's totally true and i realized that i was trying to be all things to all people and therefore i was nothing to myself and yeah. oh that's a that's a great turn of phrase you you should be a writer Oh, thank you. One day, young grasshopper. Um, it's a tweetable. Yeah, I, I really went through my career and self-prescribed work so much for 20 years. You didn't out me. You're a good gentleman, but um, I will out myself. And I, I, I really think that once you do that for too long and you give nothing to emotional wellness or your right. own self-care, it will require everything. If you neglect it for too long, it will kick your butt. Right. And you get and you get burnout, which is which is something we we don't want to do. So what so what is your first chapter is step one, which is killing the superwoman myth. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about right now is this idea that you can do it all and you never need to participate in self-care. Yeah. So becoming superwoman, there is a very important space in the title between super and woman. And that space allows for you, the woman or the superman uh, to do just that, to put your oxygen mask on first and to realize that Superwoman or Superman, the character, is just not realistic. And it's actually what's bringing us down, not propelling us forward. And mm -hmm. so 
for me, it was realizing that I wanted to be a super woman, just like a good human right. <laughs> who took care of herself right. and, you know, participated in goal setting in all aspects of my life. I came up with the three F's in uh, Rich Bitch and Boss Bitch, which is goal setting around family, finance, and fun. And now I said mea culpa. I forgot an F word. And it's not that one. It's fitness, uh-huh. <laughs> um, which is mental and physical fitness, of course, but really mental fitness. Yeah. And I think that we're reaching this tipping point. And so, yeah, the first step is admitting you have a problem. All of my books are 12-step plans. And that's the first step to all of them, whether mm-hmm. it's getting your personal finances together, your career, or going from burnout to balance. So, I first of all, I love I love all of the little isms that you throw in there. But but one one thing I really I, I uh, you you make a couple of really great points. Like one is that this how important the self care element is, and separating the myth of a superwoman and to a super space woman. Um, but I also love. And and I think I think it's really important that that this applies to men as well. Like I know you're writing from a woman's point of view, uh, intentionally towards women, but I think that everybody everybody, regardless of their gender, really needs to hear this because um, I just think that women get a lot more pressure to be everything to everyone than men do. Um, but I think men still get some pressure to do that. I just think that that women feel it a little bit more. Like no, a lot of guys when they get to their thirties aren't asked like, when are you going to have kids? Right. If they're really focusing on their career, but almost every woman when they hit their thirties gets asked, regardless of her marital status, regardless of anything, when are you going to start having kids? And it's like uh, it, that's a, that's a bit of a uh, it's a bit of a of an unfair brush for women to be painted with. So I think that this is particularly important for them. But I think men need to hear this too. I need to hear this. We all need to hear this idea that uh, you can't you can't be everything to everybody if you're not being somebody to yourself. If you're not taking care of yourself, and I think that. What ends up happening is we end up being terrible to everybody when we don't take care of ourselves because we start to we start to blow up at work. We can't put those hours in. The work starts to suffer. The interpersonal relationships start to suffer because we're snapping and tired, and no, nothing is a priority. Um, and what's the thing when 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 everything is a priority, nothing's a priority? Is that right? Yeah. So I like that one. That's a good ism. I'm trying. I'm trying to keep up with you. I'm so I, you know you have all these great things. Uh, so step two is that self is your favorite four letter word, which I think got into dovetails nicely when we were talking about a second ago, which is this idea of mental fitness. Um, how how do you start to without being selfish, um, without being prideful, or without without doing the the negative side of of pride? How do you start to begin to take care of yourself in a positive way? Yeah, and I think this does absolutely apply to men. I just from a brand building perspective and um, from the media, as you know, you can apply the very same concept to reaching an audience. If you try to be all things to all people, you're nothing to anyone. And Mm. so I needed to target exactly who the audience was. And what's really interesting is that men don't tend to buy business books written by women, Mm. which is fascinating. Um, And so I took a lot of my business acumen and tried to put it into this kind of archaic space of the book business and and try to really do a lot of studying and market research. And so I'm still in the business section. And so this absolutely relates to your career. It's not woo-woo by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's the actually the biggest ingredient and the key secret to success. And that is putting a ring on it. So the idea of being selfish is often considered a criticism. Right. But part of the definition of selfish is actually taking care of oneself. Now, it's bad if you take care of yourself 
by hurting other people. Right, so right, right, right. Agree right. not to hurt other people. Okay. And, but selfless is considered a compliment. And if we start to think about that for a second, that means that selfless, like not caring for yourself at all, is considered a compliment, especially for women, which I think is crazy town USA. And that's not a town that I want to live in. Right. Um, I mean, you, I can, you, we're, we're all there a little bit of the time, but yes, I, I keep going. Yeah. I, so I like to rethink conventional wisdom for finances, for business, for balance, and try to think for ourselves because a lot of these platitudes actually aren't correct. And so right. I think the idea of being selfish can be a compliment because you are taking care of yourself first. So I literally bought a right-handed wedding ring. You know, my dating life is for another entire show. But... <laughs> Maybe a different book. <laughs> Maybe a different book. Um, but I realized that regardless of a partner or no partner, you know, your first commitment and literally till death do you part is you. You are the yeah. one that's there with you all the time. And we are so mean to ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we beat ourselves up so much when I lose a deal or I said something silly on the air or whatever. Like I just go into this whole like right. mean girl mode against myself. Right. Can you imagine talking to your best friend like that? Like if your best friend said, you know, hey, I just lost a deal. You would say you suck. You're yeah, what an you idiot! Job again? Like, you're terrible what? at life, man. You, why don't you go crawl? In, why don't you go back to your hometown and just you know, uh, yeah, just go move in with your mom and dad and live in the basement and watch daytime television all day. Right, and that's like the narrative that right. we have for ourselves so yeah. often. If anybody talked to us the way that our internal monologue talks to ourselves, we would never put up with it. We would pour never. we would pour the drink in their face and tell them to get out of our lives. That's right. Um, so, okay, so we've established that the narrative of being able to do it all without self-care is impossible, that taking care of yourself is an important, that step two is an important factor. Uh, step three in your book is have your cake and eat it too. Uh, wh- wh- I mean, okay, Marie Antoinette, what does that mean? <laughs> well, it's like what we just said, this idea of this cliche, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like, let's stop for a second, Gib, and talk about what that actually means. Let's yeah. say you and I sit down with cake. What kind of cake do you like? Um, I just had strawberry shortcake over the weekend. Ooh. So we'll go with strawberry shortcake. It was nice. nice and light, but also really delicious. Had some vanilla tones with the strawberries. Really, really came together nicely. Wow, you're making me hungry. You're very, <laughs> very particular with the strawberry shortcake. That's delicious. Right, well, if we're going to play this theater of the mind game, Nicole, I'm going to go all in. And so there you go. <laughs> we're doing it. Um, and we're, okay, so we eat our strawberry delicious shortcake with vanilla ribbons or whatever. And that's it, right? Yeah. So we just had our cake, right. our strawberry shortcake, and we ate it. There's nothing weird about that, right? But the reverse is actually the thing that's impossible. You can't eat it and then have it unless you vomit, which is gross. So don't do that. Right. But you can have your cake and eat it too. Like, have we not stopped to think about that? Absolutely. We just talked about how we had our strawberry shortcake. Right. And so the difference for me is the distinction between having it all and doing it all. And so I believe you can have it all, but only if you define what having it all means to you. You just Mm -hmm. can't do it all. And you can't do it all all the time. We're not human doings. We're human beings after all. Right, right. 
Well, like if you save ten thousand dollars for a for a vacation, and then you spend the ten thousand dollars on the vacation, you no longer have the ten thousand dollars, but you spent it on the vacation, which is why you had the ten. Like you have the cake in order to eat it. You don't. Nobody really, unless you're Mrs. Havisham from uh, Great Expectations, you don't really just sit there with a cake that you're staring at. You want the whole point is to eat it. The whole point of saving the money for the vacation is to take the vacation. The whole point of building and accruing vacation days is to separate yourself from work for a little while, not to check email the whole time. Yeah, so why do we say that all the time? Do you know? I mean, I think I think it came from a time when showing off cake was a was like, oh, look, I have this gorgeous cake. You know, it was it was it was such a nice, valuable thing. I mean, I don't I don't know. I honestly, I think we could do a whole show about where certain euphemisms came from. And why, why did Marie Antoinette say let them eat cake? You know, I think it was a symbol of, of a certain amount of wealth. And actually having the cake was something that people wanted to put out. It would be my guess if I had to venture a guess. That's where the, that's where the kind of expression comes from is from that time. But um, I, do, I, I do agree with you, though. Like at a certain point, you go, what is the point of having the cake if we're not going to eat it? Why do we talk about it as though, as though we don't want to experience the thing that takes care of ourselves? That's right. Yeah. So let's be done with that cliche, shall we? Let's do it. Let's put it away. We, we put it away. Cliche. We've solved We're that done. one. Nobody is allowed to say it anymore. You <laughs> guys are all done. from this show. <laughs> Step four is being in balance. And, and balance is something that gets talked about a lot. And I actually think, you know, a lot of what, what we've talked about so far and a lot of what your book is about is, it, you, you said it earlier, is, is it's very timely. Like, I think people are starting to realize... Um, I think it comes from the the handful of crashes in the early 2000s and um, and the change in how employer employers take care of their employees uh, has sort of made us all realize that like our time is really valuable to ourselves, not just in in terms of what we can sell it to a company for, but our time is is actually ours and it is it is a diminishing resource. And why waste our time being unhappy working for somebody when um, when we really when we, we it does just doesn't make us happy and they don't care. So I think I think that's really changed a lot of people's mindsets. So balance all of a sudden is really important because everybody has nine side hustles. So, but you've created a points system to create balance, which I find nice and um, very. You you seem like a finance reporter because there's Thank an economics you. to creating a point system, right? That's economics would say that the that it is it is measuring human behavior using money as a. Um, uh, as a as a barometer that's that's the rubric so what is this point system yeah i wanted to take this whole world of balance and burnout and not make it woo woo because that's not how my brain works my right. brain is very like steps based and members right. based and i want brass tacks and tips and tricks and all sorts of stuff and so i went on this mission i don't even know what if i told you why i wrote this book uh, you didn't. I tried. You know, we talked about the nine books, other books you've written, and and it, and we joked about this falling out of of the waste. But why did you write this book? Should I tell you that or the point system? Well, let's do them both at the same Here's time. The I mean, there's no point. there's no limit. So tell me why you wrote the book. I'm sure based on your the way you preface this, it's going to dovetail nicely into the point system. So let's go. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to make this a segue. Let's dig deep for all of my <laughs> broadcast skills. Um, go for it. I, you know, I was out promoting my second book and I had a complete mental, physical and emotional breakdown, which led to an emergency hospitalization where wow. I needed to rethink everything in my life. And I realized that from the outside, it looked like I was really put together, but mm-hmm. on the inside, I was super not put together and I was 
broken in a lot of senses because of a lot of trauma that I dealt with growing up that I ignored and I self-prescribed work for. And until it actually caught up with me and I couldn't outrun it anymore and nobody else could save me and I needed to become my own hero when I needed it most. And I realized that when you're in a psych ward, like nothing else in your career matters. Right. Uh, you could be writing all the emails in the middle of the night. You could be networking your patootie off. And if you are there, then nothing else is relevant. And so that's how I came to the thesis that self-care is the biggest asset or liability in your mm. career. Because when it's off, it can bring you down to you know, rock bottom depths that I saw. And when it's on point, it can actually bring you more success than you ever imagined. Yeah. I mean, it's, what's the, uh, there's an old expression where when, uh, when you have your health, you've got a hundred problems. When you don't have your health, you've got one. Right. And the point is when, when, when you have your health, when you are taking care of yourself, everything you're working on matters. But when you start to become sick, the only thing that matters is the sickness. That's uh, right. And, and, and it, it supersedes everything. So if you, if you want to have a career, you have to take care of yourself. Otherwise, eventually, the fact that you've not taken care of yourself will be the only thing that you can care that you can care about. It's totally right. And I say in the book that this breakdown wasn't some spontaneous combustion, but a lifetime of smoldering right. embers that finally caught fire and incinerated everything in its path. So it wasn't one particular event. It was just the accumulation of mm -hmm. so much of that. And so, yeah, I came up with a system that made sense for me and, you know, wasn't the sort of hippy dippy stuff that I had associated getting myself out of this by, um, you know, I did all the meditations, but I sort of rethought it and I did all of the work, but I also rethought it. And so this point system here, I'm doing my segue. Here we go. Nice job. I mean, really impressive. You it's like you've been in broadcasting for more than five years. <laughs> So I wanted to create like almost a Weight Watchers type system where I gave myself points for mm -hmm. um, the entire day. So we often hear this work-life balance mumbo jumbo uh -huh. and it makes me want to scream because it's like, okay, you have more than work and life that you're balancing. You have those nine side hustles you just talked about. Right. You have a romance. You have you know, friends, you have, you know, a superman or a superwoman's life is much richer than just those two things balancing 50-50. So right. I came up with five categories that worked for me and I gave myself 10 points for every day and I forgave myself for the things I wasn't focusing on. That You know, there's days like today um, where I'm not focusing on romance. I'm focusing on career mostly um, and that's okay. And I don't have to beat myself up uh, for that. And, you know, sneak attack being the finance aforementioned finance reporter that I am, <laughs> if you just add a zero at the end of those points, they actually become percentages. <laughs> so, oh. What? <laughs> well, you made everybody do math? <laughs> I know, because you can't say like, yo, I'm going to do 37% to my side hustle and 14.5% right, 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 to my right. emotional wellness. Like it doesn't, it's, that's not user-friendly. And so I came up with that. And I also came up with a way that you can connect the dots between your to-do list and your goals, because our endless to-do list just keeps us busy. And we try to wear this busy badge of honor. Mm -hmm. And just because you're busy doesn't mean you're- Oh, and we compare it to people too. It's like, how busy are you? Well, I'm more busy than you are. And it's like, it's a ridiculous thing where, where you have to prove that you're the person that is the busiest. I know. And breathless. Yeah. Like always, always breathless. And that was the state that I lived in for so long. Right. And 
I realized I wanted to change my busy badge of honor for a productive badge of honor. Because right. being productive is far more valuable, especially in business, than just being mindlessly busy for the sake of that cathartic crossing your to-do list off. Okay, and wait, 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 wait. When we get into, we're going to get into productivity and boundaries in oh, a second. I want to stay oh, with. Okay, okay. Wait, you're just, you're just, you're speaking your book. It's unbelievable. Every step starts to go into the next one but i want to finish talking about the point system but keep but finish your current thought and then i want to go yeah. back and pick up more points yeah so that's these are all elements that are part of a journal companion that i have coming out with uh the book actually oh great i um, love i love a good hardback journal i know listen i um it took me 10 years to get a book deal i thought it would never happen i had all sorts of false starts and four agents and four proposals and all sorts of stuff and i wanted a journal each um, each book I had and they said no and I thought 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 and it's finally happening so yay I'm congratulations I think this one's going to be the most useful one to stay on track do you do any sort of journaling in the morning like uh, gratitude or I, like I do I think it's in fact I've talked about on the show I've had a couple of people that have um, outlined journals on the show um, and it has uh, Michael Hyatt has won the, the productivity journal which is a great one, full focus journal uh, and then I had Armand Asadi on who does Evo planners, which are, um, which are the, the, you take a test online and he has four different style of journaling for your, uh, brain type, but all of them, all of the best journals are, um, include some form of gratitude, right? Any kind of reflection yeah. time. And I love it just because the ritual of it forces you to put your thoughts, um, into language in a very concrete way and just writing it out, even even if it's just for 10 minutes, writing down things you're grateful for and things that you want to accomplish with the day makes it more concrete in our brain. It activates more parts of our brain and makes our whole brain involved in what needs to be done as opposed to just stressing about it where you're sort of in the limbic system where you're just stressing about what you have to do. This becomes a whole brain process where you're, whole, you're, you're actively trying to get stuff done. I, I love it. I'm a big believer in it. I think it's good for emotional health. I think it's good for productivity. I'm a big fan. So I'm yeah, excited cool. that you're going to take this point system, which was really just disguised percentages, but we won't tell anybody, <laughs> and turn that into a journal. But I, I have a question. So like, if I have these 10 points, I can allot a certain amount of points to, to factors of my life, whether it's a side hustle or or whatever. And if I, if I run out of points, I don't need to feel guilty that I didn't work on X, Y, or Z that didn't get a point. Totally. So I have career, romance, family and friends, physical health, and emotional wellness. Mm -hmm. And my only requirement um, for this point system is that you put at least one point to emotional wellness. Because as I told you from my story, if you don't put at least one point in there, it will require 10. Right. Right. Because again, like we talked about before, you end up, you end up unhealthy. And that unhealth becomes the thing. So, okay, so part of points, which you've already started talking about a little bit, is that you need boundaries. If you're going to say yes, you only have 10 yeses, you can say, if somebody comes in with an 11th thing, you're going to have to say no, which, yeah. is, which, is, uh, which seems like a bad idea. But people nowadays have a hard time saying no. So how do you start saying no? Such a hard time saying no. Superwoman Shonda Rhimes said it best, I think, when she said no is a complete sentence. Um, Ooh, and, and such a writery right. thing to say too. Such a good poetic thing to say. No, it's spot on. And I think if you reframe the idea of saying no to someone else as saying yes to yourself, Ooh. that's more helpful. Yeah. And I think that if you, if the goal is to not let people down, so you feel the need to say yes 
do all the things, mm -hmm. then you're really actually letting them down more if you say yes and not being able right. to fulfill that. Right. Yeah. Because a half yes is really a no and it just puts them in a, in a worse position. That's right. And, yeah. we, you know, we, there are ways to say no uh, at work, even to your boss, to your significant other, um, to your friends, your neighbors, um, mm -hmm. all of the different options that you have pulling at your time and pulling at your choices. You have a thousand different choices of things right. you could be doing right. with your time. And time is your most valuable asset. This is breaking news coming from the finance lady. Mm -hmm. um, money is not your most valuable asset. You can always get more money. You can't get more time. Well, that's a, there's that great line in Avengers Endgame, spoiler alert, where, uh, where, <laughs> where I'm sorry to just to bro out here for a second, but, but where Tony Stark is talking to his dad in, in the past uh, and 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 they're talking about he doesn't know it's his son and it's it's great it's a great scene anyway point being uh, that he imparts to his dad the wisdom that his dad imparted to him which is no amount of money ever was able to buy back even a second of time and okay. and that's an important thing to remember as you go through stuff if you're choosing to close a deal like if you need to close a deal then close the deal but if you're choosing that over your over your kids little league game or dance recital or what have you then you just remember you're never going to get that back again. You know, you're, you, that, that money is not going to buy back another Little League game. Nope. So that's, so it's important to, to have those boundaries. Okay. Now we're going to get into what, which is my personal favorite area of discussion, even though we've, we've, we've been long-winded so far, which is hacking productivity. Uh, obviously, uh, Tim Ferriss made several million dollars writing books about working less and doing more. What is your, what is your secret to, to working less and doing more? And Tim's awesome, and he's a friend, and I I like his book, and I think that you know there's a four hour work week for those of you that are not paying attention to who yes. Tim Ferriss is. Four hour work week yes. and four hour body, and uh, he's oh, he's yeah. he's insane. All the four four hour yeah. things. Every, anything um, you can do in four hours, Tim Ferriss has written a book about it. He totally has. You know, and I think for women in particular, there are just more demands on our time and mm. our bodies. Um, in order to account for them and be productive, you have to just be really honest with yourself and with your schedule about it. And so I've come up with, you know, a weekday plan that I create morning and evening routines. You tell me how you hack productivity, but those are aside from, you know, creating buckets for email time twice a day. Right. So you're not just a slave to your email. Easier said than done. Easier said than done, but I keep know. going. I know. I know. But the thing is, if you check it first thing in the morning, you are just a slave to everybody else's, you know, needs and desires. Mm -hmm. And so you don't set your own course or your intention. So true. It's so true. It's so true. Because when you when you do the first thing in the morning email, you're absolutely right. What you're doing is you are not setting your intentionality. You are be, you are starting the day reactively. And one of the great things we were just talking about, you've got your journal coming out. One of the great things about journaling is it's a proactive beginning to your day. Um, and it is, it is probably my favorite part about it yeah. so that you are in then in control and that, and that you are not being reactive to other people's needs. Let me tell you a secret that I use. I use a different email app. I use airmail. I don't use like a standard, the one that comes with the computer and it allows, and I think everything will allow you to do this now, but I, I it'll allow you to send your email at a fixed time. So I will at night batch a whole bunch of emails that will hit people's inboxes right at 9 a.m. in their respective time zones the next day while I'm at the gym or whatever. So it, so it makes it seem like I'm starting my day with that intentionality, but really I'm I'm doing something else for me. Nice. Yeah, it's my little it's my that's my little like secret it. productivity hack. 
I so like if, it so if you get an email from me at 9 a.m., just know <laughs> I, I wasn't sending it. The pump and iron. Yeah. Got it. That's great. Which, this moves so nicely into step seven, which you colorfully put put down the effing phone, go on a digital de- detox. And I agree. We've had, we had Cal Newport on the show who wrote Digital Minimalism. And I've had a couple of other happiness experts. And basically, these phones that were supposed to make our world amazing have slowly but surely eroded our brains. Um, and that's the kind of the thesis of, of technology at this point. How do you, but how do you do it? How? I mean, our phones are, are in charge of us. hundred percent. We, we touch them 80 times a day, which is more than we do anything else. If you think about it throughout the day, we don't smile 80 times a day. We don't eat. We don't go to yeah. the bathroom 80 times a day. You know, yeah. we're touching our phone all the time. All the time. And so when I went on a digital detox to try and rethink my schedule and rethink what balance and productivity looked like to me, getting mm-hmm. off my phone was a big part of this. And, you know, I've obviously come to a more healthy place. So yeah. it's not that I never use my phone, but I've tried to create boundaries as well around the use of my phone time. And so when I first went on this, I felt like I was going through like a, an addiction program. I felt oh, like I my was gosh, yes. symptoms. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I am a hundred percent. I agree with you. I'm a hundred percent addicted to my phone. Like I can't, I, you talk about this going through this detox and a detox is a really good word for it because uh, I, I, I delete and then put apps back on my phone when I know that I'm, I'm have, like, like Instagram, I'll delete it. And then, and I will, I will literally reach for my phone and go to touch the app that is not there anymore. And my brain has to get used to the fact that, oh no, it's off my phone right now. I can't just check it. Um, it right. is, I it's unbelievable. That. Yeah. I took Instagram and all social media apps off my phone. So I had to go onto the browser, for example. Um, and that safeguarded myself from myself. Mm. And so I created this seven day program that you can just slowly wean yourself off the addiction to your smartphone. A lot of celebrities and, and business leaders actually are opting for dumb phones lately. Have yes, I've that? seen those and yeah. I, I want to get one. And I want to, or, but I also like, I, do I need another piece of, am I just, am I just like, is this methadone? Am I just like giving myself a new addiction? Is this the cigarettes at the back of the AA meeting? Am I just giving myself something else to deal with instead of, instead of the actual problem? Actually calling humans, um, that's oh. all the phone lets you do. Oh. I know, I know. It's, so I think this is such a big part of taking back charge of your life mm-hmm. and not letting your phones take over because phones are supposed to be a tool and right. they've become more than just that. We are supposed to use the phones, not the other way around. Right. And I think that this dopamine cage match that we're in. So mm-hmm. throughout becoming superwoman, I really go back to the data, right? Shocking. I, I really wanted to nerd. See, I know nerd alert. Um, I wanted to see like facts. I wanted to see exactly what was proven. I didn't want anecdotal stuff. And so like you said, the proven elements to happiness and balance include productivity, you know, meditation, um, mindfulness, community, sleep, exercise, all of these things. And so I kept going back to that. And this idea of a dopamine cage match is like you go on your phone, you think that it's going to trigger your pleasure centers um, just by doing it. But now we've found that the actual search for things, it's not just finding things, it's the search right. that gives us this dopamine. Like people that are on 
dating apps, most of the people on dating apps don't actually talk to the people they've matched with. They just keep searching. And that's it's crazy where the addiction lies. That is crazy. I mean, I, I, I yeah, that, and that's why certain apps that are just focused on the search, the swiping apps uh, are so popular. I mean, I, I get that. Your next, which, which kind of, again, you know, well, well-organized book, good. well-organized thoughts. <laughs> it goes right into steps eight and nine, which are be mindful, not mindful, and then mastering the mind game. Now, two questions. One is, let's talk about step eight, but also how does it differ from step, not, step nine, which seems like a very similar concept? Yeah, so the idea of mindfulness is just really being able to um, not only uh, be wherever you are, because like we said, you have so many choices for where you spend your time, just actually being there, Mm -hmm. um, but being in, in control of what your mind is doing. And so for step nine, mastering the mind game is about using tools. So once you've um had that control then you can use your meditation your mindset your intention and all of that um to take it up a notch and so yeah so mindfulness i i see that as the first step um in this sort of two-step mind mastery um and i think (laughs) that mindfulness is sort of this buzzy concept in so many aspects of our lives you know from eating you know to really be mindful of how you're you know putting your fork in your your pasta and then chewing it and tasting it versus just scarfing it down. But mindfulness in business is not often a common, you know, it's not often talked about. And so I think that mindfulness in business has helped me more than so many other traditional business tactics because I could actually, you know, step back for a second and be aware of what I was doing. Um, And you never regret a pause in business. Like you never regret a workout. You never regret a pause. Like before you're about to send off that nasty note. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's mindfulness. I know. Yeah. And so I came up with, I love alliteration. The three. You clearly, P's. clearly love. you do. Obsessed. Obsessed. It's actually on my dating app. Um, <laughs> no, it's true. It says like, what is it? Swearing, sarcasm, sunshine, and alliteration. <laughs> well, you have to come up with an. We have to go. We'll have to check out Webster's and come up with a uh, uh, an S word that means alliteration. <laughs> Symbolism. <laughs> I don't know. We we, we can yeah, get there. We can get there. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I love I love alliteration, and it just helps me remember totally. these processes. And so, to mind your P's of being present, I think you pause, process, and pounce. Yes. And you really have to. Um, take charge of the catastrophizing that goes on Mm. during complicated situations. And the way that I do that is actually just writing out the facts of the situation. So good. And so so if something terrible happened at work, like, or you're pissed that your coworker got a raise and you go on and you say, just write it all nasty. Mm -hmm. Just put it all down. Yes. Yes. Right. Get it out. And you say like, my boss sucks. My, my, coworker is hates me my life is over i'm going to be broken homeless whatever is going on in your head and then you cross out all of the editorialization and you let or you're just left with the facts and the right. fact is that your coworker got a promotion you know nobody's broken homeless <laughs> none of these other things are actually happening right and so that's a really important um tool that i use to be able to take a beat um and respond in a way i'm proud of it That's doesn't happen great. all the time, I'm not going to lie. 
but right, yeah. I, I aim for that. Progress, not, not perfection. Not this perfection. is a 12 step program, right? Yeah, did we just say that at the yeah. same time? I, we did. Synergy. That's another <laughs> S. Um, so I, I, I love, I love that. One, one of the things that I always espouse when it comes to, um, when it comes to journaling is that you can write those thoughts that you would never want to say out loud. And sometimes just saying them out loud helps you process them. Like, I mean, by writing them out loud, writing them not out loud. Um, but like, I'll write letters to people I'm really angry at and just say every, all the vitriol I want to say, mm. just the darkest stuff. And like, like wow. I'm uh, like, I'm having road rage on the 405. And then once it's on paper, I have no need to send it. I just, it just sits in my journal, but I got it out of me. So it doesn't fester and I don't think about it. And I'm not, it's, it's, it's part of, I mean, it's a part of everything we've talked about so far, but it is, it is, it's such a great, it's such a great tactic that you just mentioned. Like when you pause, when you, when you, uh, what is it? it's, it's pause, uh, process and then, and then perform. Ah. Pounce, pounce. Sorry, um, but that's so. One, that's everything we talked about before. That's being proactive, not reactive, because you're, you're because the reactive thing is to, when you get hit to hit back, and then yeah. but but the proactive thing is to did I actually get hit or did somebody bump into me at the bar, right? Mm-hmm. Like like and and when you can when you can be proactive like that, you can control the situation with your mind so much better, and and so I love that. And it's also if you're if you're on your phone twenty four seven, you're going to be more reactive. So you have to put the phone down. You have to be mindful of your surroundings. You have to be mindful and present in what you're doing. That's another thing I also wanted to talk about. You know, you talked about putting the phone down and being, you, you, you made it sound frou-frou to sit there and, and think about what you're eating. But the data on mindfulness and on meditation is so, is, and I know you're a data nerd, is so there. Uh, we we yeah. eat so much more when we watch television while we eat. And look, I'm a huge fan of watching TV while, while I eat. I am, I'm not practicing what I preach, but... The reality is we eat more calories that we don't need if we're watching television while we eat because we just sit there and mindlessly eat. When we savor every bite and we have we sit down with friends and, and share a meal, the whole process becomes more uh, – you become more present in the process and it becomes more satisfying. So we the data is there for – I also love there's a story of a guy – uh, it was either for Vice or it may have been uh, for for a different organization, but he he set out to prove that this this wave of mindfulness meditation was all hooey. And in the process of doing that, he proved the benefits of mindfulness meditation. Like he actually went through the whole process, saw the benefits himself, and also found all of the academic literature about it. It's 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 phenomenal. So I'm I'm a big fan of everything you've said about that. Thank you. You're welcome. And and segueing into this next idea is this meditation that I thought was all this like Buddha. (laughs) And I really rejected it for so long. I was like, how am I going to pay money to go to a studio and sit in silence? That seems like a waste of 40 bucks. Yep. Or like this app to just be quiet. Mm-hmm. I'm so confused. I have so many questions. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that meditation is really whatever you make it out to be. Like the mindfulness right. meditation for me is taking a new class all the time. So I take like the most random classes, latte art making. Ooh, I love it. Catcher making, archery, tomahawk throwing, like all sorts of stuff that feels very meditative to me. Because if you're learning and you're focusing on that one skill, mm-hmm. you're just focusing on that. And that's mm-hmm. meditative. It, it is. It doesn't need to be like in a studio or with, you know, all these apps. I love you know, jogging. Yeah. I run marathons. I find marathons yeah. to be meditative. Because because at a certain point, you like the you can you can focus on nothing 
because you're you're just having to put one foot in front of the other and it quiets your mind and your mind is able to run in different directions and you can just kind of sit with it it's it's unbelievable totally it's that re- repetitive nature of whatever you're doing or even just going back to your breath that mm-hmm. that's also very repetitive when yeah. things are feeling chaotic and so yeah and then the mindset is just the idea around manifestation which i can tell you from talking to bazillion uh, and a half CEOs and founders, you know, it's one of the biggest uh, tools in their tool shed, so to speak, um, for success. And it is really coming up with what that looks like, because you can't get success if it's so nebulous and vague. It's like saying, hey, we're going to go to a party in LA. Like, okay, cool. Um, Where is the party? Like, what street is it on? Am I taking the 405? Right. Who's throwing it? Do I wear a bathing suit or a suit? Like, what? Is it a onesie party? Like, I have so many questions. So many questions. But we don't think so much about the destination that we're going with our lives. Can, can, if there is a onesie party in LA, will you please make sure that I get invited? I have a onesie. I'm dying to wear it out. Please. Yes. Obviously. I love (laughs) having a onesie party. Uh, but no, you're right. You, and, 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 and I think I think the idea of manifestation, which uh, the idea of the subconscious manifestation of you are what you speak, fine, that that may or may not be true. Um, I happen to believe that it is. However, the the very practical data driven thing is that you, you can look at some examples like Steve Jobs manifested the ideas of a, a lot of different ideas by they, they called it. Um, I don't know if you read the. Um, the big book, uh, the Walter Isaacson book, but he called it the rea- reality distortion field, um, where he would basically just not hear criticisms and say, no, we are going to have a Windows system where the windows can go over each other after he went to Xerox Park. Uh, we're going to have touch screens are going to work with just the finger. You don't need a stylus, even though everybody said it's going to be impossible. And he made it, he made his engineers do things in some really bad ways, but he made his engineers do things that were otherwise impossible because he was able to manifest it with with just that that sheer willpower. The other thing is, whatever you're constantly thinking about is what's going to become your reality. If you're thinking about negative stuff, you're going to see the world from a negative perspective, and you're going to then become a negative person. You're going to always see the bad. If you are focusing on positive things, if you're focusing on the specific address of the party, guess what? You're going to end up there. You know, if it's a specific thing, you're going to end up there because your brain is just going to take you there. You know? Sure is. It's not, it's not a nebulous concept. It is, it is just anchored in the reality of when you're thinking about it, it happens because, because your body will just start doing the things that get you there. Yes. I mean, ma- manifestation obviously is not magic. You can have all the good vibes. And right. You, but but I'm talking about the yeah. more concrete concept. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you manifest a onesie party in LA, then I mean, invite I, me and I will be there with you. I am. I'm, I'm basically, as soon as this interview is over, I'm going to put on a onesie <laughs> and just, it's going to be a onesie party. I'm just going to be in it and I'm going to be comfortable and I'm going to be happy. So that's, that's, They're that's so it. comfortable. So comfortable. There's no waistband. It's just, I know, it's just, it's oh, everything. it's amazing. Uh, Animal onesies in particular. <laughs> I digress. Yes. We, we slight to... digression. Slight digression. <laughs> We need to stay on track. Come Sorry. on, we're rounding Sorry. out the steps. Step 10, find your tribe and love them hard. Yes. You have to think about your own personal C-suite. Um, a C-suite of a uh, company is obviously the chief executive officer, mm-hmm. chief financial officer. Think of the people that make up your 
executive crew. Mm -hmm. And uh, you really want to take out the toxic people that drain you. And so this step is all about saying bye, Felicia's, um, <laughs> and getting rid of the, the people that you feel like obligations to be around. And you shouldn't feel an obligation because of time being your most valuable asset. Right. And it, there, are, there are ways to gracefully do that, get mm. rid of those toxic folks. Yeah, I mean, and if they're toxic, I don't know how how graceful do you need to be. But I think that it's important. I, um, Lin Manuel Miranda, uh, Hamilton, uh, In the Heights, uh, also Bring It On the Musical. Um, mm -hmm. He was behind all of those. Um, he has he calls it his board of directors, I believe, and it's yeah. essentially the same concept. It's the people that he has around him that push him, that keep him creative, um, and that also fill in the gaps of his personality that he doesn't have. That's right. I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, step 11, check yourself. Check yourself. Before you wreck oh. yourself. Yeah, don't wreck yourself. You know, this is really about making sure that you have a way to self-soothe and that you can figure out when you need a mental health day, if you work with somebody else or yourself, um, and how to actually help yourself before actually moving on to potentially if there's a bigger problem like an actual burnout you know the world health organization as you know just named it a condition um, mm. or depression or anxiety or whatever else before that you know you really want to just be able to trust your gut um and and your gut and intuition is a skill and you can actually work on that if you don't have it you're not born with it like any of these things are all skills um, mm -hmm. you know i wasn't born with any of them like quite the opposite. And I just constantly try to work on it. Balance is a noun and a verb. You can use it both ways, right? right Back to right. our grammarian nerdiness. But I like to think of it as a verb because it's not something you find like under a couch. You know, it's not hide and seek. Like I found balance. Like mm -hmm. we're done. Right, right, um, right, 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 right. It's something that's constantly in motion. It's something you constantly have to work on. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know. Again, I I I think you've done such a great job of of laying these things out and how well they go together. Um, but this idea of 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 that sort of that manifestation concept and and the habits and rituals and how we check ourselves. Like, if you're thinking about something constantly, it becomes a habit. And if you're not able to step outside of that, your mind is going to get away from you. If you're not able to look at what your habits are doing uh, and what part of your mind is contributing to those bad habits, whatever it might be, or good habits. Um, you're, you're not in control of that. So you need to be mindful of what's happening there and you need to be, because, because what you think about you do and what you do consistently is who you are. And if you can't, if you can't see yourself doing that, if you can't see, you're never going to change and you're never going to move forward or progress. Yeah. Neurons that fire together, wire together. And we all have a lifetime of bad habits. Hmm. And so nothing more than a lifetime is long enough to change those habits. And I break habits down into steps as well, shocking, um, and how you can actually hack that for yourself. Hmm. Like there's a cue, the habit, and then the reward. And yes. you have to always remember the reward part because there's not a lot you do without a re re reward in your life. Right. And so trying to make better habits, you have to remember that last part, which people often forget. I, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but we had Charles Duhigg on the show and he, he wrote the book, The Power of Habit. And we he talked all about finding hacking that 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 there's the um there's the uh, trigger the behavior and the reward um and how and how to hack that in order to get the um in order to get the, in order to change the habit to what you want it to be but you're never yeah. going to get there if you're not reevaluating yourself and you're not mindful of who you are and what you're thinking about constantly i think 
Yeah, and in figuring out how to ask for a mental health day, and right. you know, I think this subject is pretty taboo. Um, unfortunately, I hope that it goes in the other direction. But I'm sort of like, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Somebody's got to go first with this conversation. Right. Yeah, yeah. And finally, be your own hero. Dun, 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 the trust delivers the songs. Yes, <laughs> be your own hero. Um, you know, and so I think this is the idea that. For me, it's just keeping and putting yourself together. I told you that I didn't feel as put together on the inside as I looked on the outside. And and so this is about the maintenance for the long run. And sometimes it's tapping into the power of negative thinking. There's a lot to be said about the power of positive thinking, but sometimes positive thinking is just too hard. It's like, quick, think of a pink elephant, but don't think about it. Right, right, <laughs> like, right, right, right. All I'm thinking about is the pink elephant. Right. And so you have to, you know, sort of, use pain as a superpower, even though that sounds painful, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, and so it's about using pun intended. it. Total pun intended. Um, <laughs> I know, uh, it's, I'm so punny. Um, <laughs> so I think it's uh, introducing the idea of stoicism, which is... Love um, stoicism. Yes. It's, the, as you know, it's, you know, the wor- it's where we get the English word stoic. Um, it re- it t- teaches us that we suffer more in imagination than in reality. Um, and that really entertaining the worst case scenarios. Like what if, okay, all of these fears that I have, you know, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to be broken homeless. Can you tell this is my own? I, uh, I mean, clearly it's coming out a lot. <laughs> Maybe we should dive into that in the next episode. <laughs> Broke, homeless, and unmarried. It's, it's like I'm hearing, this, I'm hearing some themes with you, Nicole. It's true. It's, it's absolutely. And, you know, they say the audio tape that goes on your head, whatever it is, the MP3 player, that's totally mine. And I work on it every single day to try and change those tunes. Um, But then I think like, okay, well, what if that happens? Like, I'll just stay with friends or, you know, whatever. And so playing that out and seeing what that looks like can often help you in the long run become your own hero. And that's Mm -hmm. really what this is about. It's about, um, planting flowers and also pulling weeds. So you don't need to just focus on getting rid of all the bad. You have to, you can do both at the same time, which is what one of my wise gardeners said. You can plant flowers and pull weeds. And it's not <laughs> in chaos or in balance. And oftentimes we say, I'll be happy when I get there or I'll be right. balanced when I get there. But then you get there and then it becomes another there, there and another salary and another job and you never get your brain to the right, other side. Right, right, so right. Just realizing that you are there right now and that you have to be in balance and in chaos. They have to go together. They actually have to exist in order to exist themselves. Um, without one, of course, the duality, there is no other. And so it's it's not waiting until you get these perfect conditions it's right. realizing it's now right right it's a it's a it's sort of a weird thing money's not going to bring you happiness but if but happiness may bring you money that's you, right it may bring the calm and peace that you feel may give you the ability to focus and get you to the place financially that you want to be if you can get yourself to where you need to be yeah we've had this equation wrong I mean, I've had it wrong my entire career that I'll be happy when I become successful. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I was actually more successful when I was happy. Well, we have taken up more of your time than we had agreed to. So I just want to thank you, Nicole Lappin. The new book, uh, link to where to buy it in the show notes, Becoming Superwoman, a simple 12-step plan to go from burnout to balance. Now, first of all, uh, we've talked a lot about it. I, I get almost every book 
um, from people that are on the show, and I, I try to skim them, but this one I kept having to stop myself from reading the whole chapter so I could keep moving and get a sense of the whole book before we did the interview. That's how good it is. You guys need to read the whole thing. We've, get, we've given you guys a primer. You need to go ahead and click that button and, and get this book because and it doesn't matter if you are a Superman or a Superwoman. This is for everybody. This is a very timely concept, something that we all need. Um, I, I, I felt like it was being written for me, so thank you. And I also love the Stoics, so I can I see why it resonated with me so much. I mean, Marcus Aurelius's Meditation is one of my favorite books, and um, I'm a big fan. So, uh, again, link to where to buy the book in the show notes. Nicole, where can people follow up with you uh, if, they, if they want to? Um, aside from the dating apps. <laughs> Find her on Tinder. Set your, set your radius to 500 miles and go by New York City. Um, at Nicole Lappin, wherever you consume your social media, and then the book is everywhere books are sold. Everywhere better books are sold. So if they better don't have it, it's a bad bookstore. That's right. You tell them. <laughs> one final thing, and I ask it to everybody that's on the show, Nicole, what is one thing people can start doing today that will make their lives a whole lot better? Stop saying I'm sorry. Ooh. Stop. A, I counted how many times I said I'm sorry in a day, and it was more than 50. And I realized that I was apologizing for basically existing. Like when somebody bumped into me, I was apologizing. And so I think it's just about, you know, putting yourself more in a position of strength with mm -hmm. the words you even use. Uh, are you sure you're not Canadian? I bet that. <laughs> no, I'm not Canadian. Are you? No, I'm just, you know, the I'm sorry. Did you see the movie? I think it was Canadian Bacon where, where, uh, the Americans all played by Canadians and the Canadians are all played by Americans, but the Americans go over into Toronto and they're bumping into all these people and all the, all the Canadians are apologizing as the Americans. It's a, it's a funny movie. John. You are the best trivia buff. Sorry, John, who? Not John Goodman. It's uh, John Candy's in it as a, oh. you know, he's a Canadian. He's playing it. It's a great movie. We, we, you should watch it. I will. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's the end. That's the end of our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Great piece, Gabe. Another great interview, and I'm and I'm I th I think you know. Listen, I think I think uh, oh, I think I'm going to read this book. I think it's I think there's some great stuff in here, and and I'll be able to understand the the aggressive women around me. Yeah. Well, look, I you know I get I get all of these books. I said it in the interview, and this was one that I had a hard time putting down in order to get through it to skim. Right. The, I, I have to skim them in order to do the interview. I I wanted to read every chapter, so it's definitely a great book. Uh, that's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on any platform. That's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. We're on all of them. Uh, we're actually now on Pandora, which is really exciting. So go ahead and subscribe. Please tell a friend about this show. Share this interview with somebody. If you want to follow up with us, facebook.com slash John Tesh is where we spend most of our time. Try to respond to everything. We go live, post videos there all the time. John is also on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. On Twitter at John Tesh. I am Gib Gerard. Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I try to respond to every DM and every mention because you guys make this show possible. Thank you, guys. Um, if you guys have any suggestions for guests, I try to respond and I reach out to them and try to get them on the show because, once again, we cannot do this show without you because you guys are the listeners. You make the show possible. Very nice. Hey, just a quick little bonus behind-the-scenes thing here. I went to see Downtown Abbey with uh, Connie. Uh-huh. And uh, I hit the I hit the post like that, and then we're gonna do no. It after. I want yeah, but you know it's it's it's, it's it's think of it as behind the scenes. Okay, okay. So that was great that you hit the post. <laughs> it's hard to do that. I want to go over that again. But anyway, so um, you know, mom is she she just like uh, she she loves Downton Abbey, and she said, hey, will you go see the movie with me? And she would never go see not even 
Star Wars with me. Right, right. I took her to Hunger Games and she never forgave me. So anyway. You also made her watch Alien when she was pregnant. Oh, wait, no. No, it was worse than than that. Oh, Silence of the Lambs on your honeymoon. That's what it was. Yeah, Alien's okay. No, it's not. Uh, So anyway, uh, we went and um, it it was late. I'm I'm in bed by 9.30, but then, so it it was late and I ate a big dinner, you know, uh, we went to the Cheesecake Factory, then we went to the thing and then, you know, I had a beer and um and I was and I felt like I was snoring. Oh yeah. <laughs> Look, la- la- Lord it was, Grantham, it was very pretty. Lord and Lady Grantham uh, have the king and queen over for for dinner is basically the plot of yeah, the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. But they had the. They, I said to I said to Connie, I said, you know the way they cast the king. Um, <laughs> I said this really looks familiar to me, and she goes, Yeah, you're right. It looks like a character. So I said, Yeah. So we're driving home, and I'm thinking, Okay, so um advertisement for for uh, advertisement using a king right mm-hmm. and up, of course up comes what burger king yeah and it was that guy he's the same face it was it was like the lawn uh, gnome yeah <laughs> uh, uh, lawn gnome as santa claus this know? episode is obviously not brought to you by either downton abbey or oh, no no or I, by burger I, king. I thought the movie was good i, I thought the movie was good i was and I, especially the music I love great the music. great way to get a nap yeah, I mean, Apparently. people loved it, and it's getting great reviews it and is. all that. But um, yeah, I just wanted to just sort of. Fit. I think if you like the show, you're going to like the movie. If you don't like the show, you're just going to pay more to sit there and watch yeah. it. Here's more music. You want to just want to end it <laughs> no. again? Oh, okay, we'll <laughs> see. That's you guys. it for our show. Bye.